Awesome admission professionals. This podcast is the Admissions Entrepreneur, a day in the life. I'm your host, Tom Skank. I'm the founder of Dartmouth Associates, and we are the creators of the Results Oriented Recruiting System, otherwise known as ROAR, a proprietary enrollment intervention that integrates entrepreneurial thinking and sales fundamentals to immediately help schools in crisis. We are also the first and only global consultancy to assist K-12 independent schools with their enrollment needs and through integrated multimedia campaigns, introduce schools to companies that bring best-in-class products and services that enhance their recruiting process from around the world. Dartmouth Associates offers 360 enrollment audits, online results-oriented recruiting training, executive admission masterclasses, keynote addresses, conference facilitation, and director placement searches. We also offer three integrated media campaigns designed to both exalt and align admission professionals from around the globe. This podcast, The Admissions Entrepreneur, A Day in the Life, our Roar Magazine, the first ever upscale lifestyle publication for the admission professional, and the San Diego Admission Fest Summit, Power Marketing for the New Era. These diverse campaigns are also designed to offer aggressive sponsorship opportunities for companies wanting to exhibit their products and services to the admission office market. If you need recruiting help or would like to promote your products or services, please email us at dartmouthassociates at gmail.com or go to our website at www.dartmouthassociates.com. Today, we're bringing fun and insights to your profession. We have incredible guests who share their unique life stories with you. So please make sure to catch each and every episode and like, subscribe, and share. Now, let's get started. Well, welcome listeners. This once again is Tom Skank of Dartmouth Associates, and we are in the podcast of the Admissions Entrepreneur. And I am delighted to have as our guest today, Cecil Stodshill. He currently serves as the head of school at Doan Stewart School in Rensselaer, New York. Cecil began his career in higher education, serving in various assistant director roles in student affairs and athletics at Hendricks College, also at Florida State University and the University of Miami in Coral Gables. He transitioned to the independent school world in 1998, where he served respectively as Director of Multicultural Affairs, Assistant Director of Admissions, and Assistant Director of Boarding Admissions at Macaulay School, his alma mater in Tennessee. He also served as Associate Director of Admission at Berkeley Preparatory School in Tampa, Florida, and as Director of Graduate Support at Academy Prep Foundation in St. Petersburg, Florida. Also a National Association of Independent Schools Fellow for Firing Heads, Cecil holds a bachelor's in marketing from the University of Miami Coral Gables and a master's in education in school leadership from the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. Wow, congratulations. I'm, I'm just tired reading that. Nice job. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. By the way, I was going to say, I, uh, I have a dear friend who I've known for many years back in our admissions days, uh, Scott Baylor, or excuse me, Scott Wilson at Baylor. Scott Wilson at Baylor. You know, uh, I, I tell you, you have, to, you have to be really, really careful when you when you get down below the Mason Dixon line, <laughs> mixing Macaulay and Baylor. I mean, you're you're asking for it. So, uh, but Scott's a great guy. He's done wonderful work uh, at the Baylor School, and and I tell you, you know, the the Macaulay Baylor relationship goes back. Well over a hundred years, uh, and it's uh, it's one of those uh, nasty, dirty rivalries, but, <laughs> uh, but very respectful uh, with the alumni in the history of both schools. Well, I actually was on the phone with Scott a couple of days ago. He's retiring this year. Really? And, wow! Uh, you know, well, he's he did wonderful work at, at the Baylor School, and uh, and I wish him the absolute best of, of luck in retirement. He. Uh, 
He's definitely earned it. Yeah, he sure has. He sure has. Well, let's start off with a with our first question, Cecil. And and again, I thank you again for your time. Absolutely. You've had a stellar career already as an educator, as uh, as people heard from your biography. You know, you've been ahead uh, just going finishing your second year. And since we we focus a little bit on admissions here, let me ask you what aspects of your roles in admissions most prepared you for being ahead? You know, it, it's interesting. Um, I, I'm often asked about my leadership style. Um, and I think my, my leadership style was really form, form, formalized or formalized or formulated uh, during my, my time in enrollment management and admissions. And what I've learned, Tom, is to number one, listen much more than I speak. Um, I think that uh, great leaders need to spend more time uh, listening to, uh, to the voices uh, that are really participating uh, within the culture, within the community, within that family. Um, and uh, and, and I, I think that that has really given me the opportunity to learn more about the individual. Uh, and secondly, uh, I've learned to treat everyone differently. And I, and I think that's so important. I think, you know, we, we often talk about differentiated instruction. Um, I look at it as, as differentiated marketing in so many ways. I think that we can, we can, we can have a consistent message uh, to each individual person, family, prospect, um, and I think that we can be very um, um, individualized in how we deliver that message. Uh, as, as a former coach, uh, you know, sometimes you motivate a, a student athlete by giving them a hug. Sometimes you motivate a student athlete um, by, by giving them some fire. Uh, so I think uh, you have to learn and approach uh, every every individual differently and, uh, and and listen much more than you speak and that has really worked well for me uh, as, as leading a school community you have to be able to to delineate the different constituent constituency groups uh, whether it's parents students prospective families alumni trustees uh, and if you're not listening if you're not treating those folks uh, individually. Uh, you're hurting yourself and, and you're, you're cutting yourself off uh, from really learning how to, to make the best decisions for the situation. Well, thank you. And, and we've certainly read that, that you want to listen more. You know, that's why we have, what do they say? One mouth and two ears. Two ears. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Your admissions team is very blessed to have someone who's been a director of admissions. And most heads do not come from a background of admissions. What would you say to your fellow heads about what they need to do in terms of enhancing the relationships and the knowledge about what goes on in the admission office? One of the things that I learned from, uh, from uh, several wonderful mentors, especially during my time in the institutes for new heads, a uh, little plug for NAIS, <laughs> the, uh, is to unlearn the position. And, and, and what that means is giving that, giving that admissions officer, that admissions professional, every resource that you can, uh, giving them all of the support that you can, but empowering them to do that job. I think that uh, I've made it clear uh, to my admissions team that it, I, I'm not there to micromanage, but I, I'm, I'm definitely there to support. Um, I think it's a, a disservice to uh, the other aspects of, of the operation uh, to just focus on where my expertise uh, truly lied. Um, but I, I, I am there as that support piece for that office, um, whether it's um, working through uh, difficult decisions in terms of building rubrics uh, for admissions, whether it's communication with parents or, or whether marketing. Um, so there, you know, I, I look at myself as a wonderful resource in the building. And of course, I'm gonna, I'm gonna douse a fire if I see one burning. Um, but the, the number one thing I have to do is unlearn the fact that 
that I'm in charge of, 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 of that office, um, but uh, as well make sure that I am available uh, to support wherever they need. Now, I think it's important to set the tone uh, in terms of the expectations. And yes, uh, from, a, from an admissions and enrollment management and marketing background, uh, those expectations need to be set um, with, uh, with uh, direct messaging and direct lines to, to the head of school. Um, but unlearning uh, the role has been difficult and, and can't be. <laughs> bad. Um, but, you know, understand, Tom, the, especially in this day and time, um, so many of our schools, now the vast majority, well, the overwhelming majority of our schools are, are tuition dependent. Yes. Uh, we have to be, we have to, to acknowledge the fact that uh, the admissions office and enrollment team, they are uh, the chief revenue officers in so many ways. So as a head of school, I, I, it's imperative that, uh, that I have a, a deep rooted relationship uh, within that team and within that office. Uh, but uh, you put you put the experts in place, give them the resources and support they need, and you let them do their job. Uh, and that's how I'm that's how I'm learning to lead, especially when it comes to, to admissions and enrollment. That is something that is even more crucial now, and that is keeping that relationship very positive, very supportive with the admission office. As somebody described it uh, in my last podcast, that we are really selling a luxury brand. Absolutely, absolutely. It, you know, and, and it's it, it's interesting. Um, obviously, uh, it, it's we're we're talking about an educational experience. Uh, we're talking about uh, a journey in the for for children. We're talking about the development of of young minds in so many ways. But we are selling a luxury brand. We are selling. Um, you know, this is, we, we are, we have patrons, uh, we have a job to do, although we, we're not selling widgets off an assembly line, we're selling an experience. Yes. And, you know, and I'm very, very mindful of, of making sure that uh, I'm selling something that, that I can back up. I'm selling something that I believe in. And if you truly believe in that, it's easy to sell. And, and, and the question is, who are you selling it to? And I think that's where uh, we're learning, especially over these last 10 to 15 years, how demographics and, and market uh, analyses really play into, uh, into the delivery, into the marketing, into the messaging of our schools. So uh, sitting in the, in the head of school chair and understanding all of those pieces, I think is has really been an asset for Dome Stewart, uh, but as well for for our office uh, of admissions uh, here at Dome Stewart in in the profession uh, as a whole. Well, thank you. You know, you as as you were just speaking, you you tend to use the word selling rather comfortably, um, and it's something that I think is coming up more in terms of a discussion of skills. And one of the things that I've done with some of my clients is to really show them the fact that, yes, you need to be extremely empathetic. You, know how, you have to know how to engage, but there are certain tactics of sales fundamentals that you have to have to move someone down the pipeline and keep them in the pipeline until they ultimately matriculate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 I, and I think that goes back to differentiated marketing. I, I really do. You know, we, we talk often about, about target marketing. Again, uh, bringing in the data, uh, understanding not, not only demographics, but psychographics. And then, uh, you know, whether it's, whether it's household income or uh, level of education within a household, we need to know that information and we need to utilize that information. And, and again, treats everyone differently. Um, although and I, I, uh, currently I'm at a school with less than 200 students. Uh, most recently I was at a school with, with, with nearly 1,800 students. And the way we sell in, in those two entities um, is, is very different, but, but as well very consistent. 
Um, shotgun approaches don't typically work. Um, and, and shotgun approaches in marketing don't work with regards to sales uh, to a school community because retention is such a big issue. Um, it's, it's much easier to retain a, a student family uh, than it is to, to, uh, to recruit and, and enroll new. Um, so, so if you're selling a product in, uh, that aligns with the value systems uh, of the, in the mission uh, that, that, that aligns with the value system of those families, they're gonna stay, they're gonna stay. And we use that term sales, and I think, um, if I may, a lot of the academicians, uh, they cringe when we talk about selling a school or selling the school community. Um, I left a school where, in the end, at the end of the day, it is a $45 million a year business. Yes. There are certain folks uh, within the administration who have to handle the business side of independent schools. Uh, and enrollment, admissions, uh, that, that, is, that is the business side of the school, especially when you basically serve as the chief revenue officer. So when, you, when, you're, when you're, your annual operating budget is over $45 million a year and you're allocating four to $6 million a year in financial assistance, you're selling. You're selling. <laughs> and, and, if, and if you don't see it that way, uh, you're going to find out really soon because you'll be on the outside looking in. Well, you know, I, uh, I appreciate your insights. And it really has been echoed by my conversation with Mark Sclaro, who is the executive director of 27 plus years of the IECA, you know, the national consultants. And, and he said to me, uh, he said, Tom, still directors of admission need sales skills because they're still not effectively selling the differentiation of their school to these consultants. And if they're having trouble doing it to consultants, what are they doing with parents who are walking into the door, prospectively? Absolutely. You know, and, and, and it's interesting. I think that uh, in, in, the, uh, in the opening, in my, my, my bio, uh, you mentioned uh, my, my, my undergraduate de degree is in marketing. Um, and, you know, it, it's, you know, there are those who would say, wow, you have a business degree. How did you end up in education? Um, they're, 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 I, I am in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. Um, and and I, I think uh, the, the degree that I hold is very consistent uh, to what we need in, in schools, especially with regard to, uh, to, to marketing our, 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 our different programs. And you talk and you hit on that, you hit the nail on the head with regard to differentiation. How many schools say, hey, we, we teach 21st century skills. We, we are student and child centered. Uh, we have small classrooms. You know, th those are, that's par for the course in an independent school. You know, as my wife, who is a part of IECA, and she's a college counseling uh, consultant, uh, she often says about individual students who are um, looking to apply to colleges, what makes you interesting? I mean, just in, in very simple terms, what, what, how are you interesting? And that's what schools, uh, especially with regard to, to admissions, you know, we, we, the buzzwords, trends, all that. How, why are you interested? How are you, how do you differentiate yourself in the market in, 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 in which you're selling? Um, we all have small classrooms relative to, to large public schools. You know, we all, we're all teaching 21st century skills because we, we're using computers. Uh, you know, we're, we're all, we're, we're all child centered. You know, we, you know, we, in, in independent schools, you know, that small classroom keeps us somewhat child centered. How are you child centered? Which 21st century skills are you teaching? How are you different than the other schools? What problems do those other schools have that you can solve at your school? That's where we really need to concentrate in terms of sales. That's where we need to concentrate in terms of differentiating. And, and so much of that has to do with the specific stories. As you know, as a marketer, 
you know, the stories really can can tell the tale. This episode is sponsored by School Connections. The idea is simple, affordable and meaningful venues for traditional boarding schools, therapeutic schools, and domestic and international educational consultants to come together for informational and networking purposes. This process ultimately leads to the successful placing of students into the most compatible environments. School Connections workshops involve multiple individual meetings between educational consultants and admissions representatives from schools and programs. Their workshops range from two to three days and allow attendees to maximize their time with individual appointments in one workshop in one location. I know from experience, School Connections is a fantastic program. And if you are looking for students, please reach out to them at schoolconnections.org. That's schoolconnections.org. You know, I, uh, it goes back to your, your point with regard to me coming from an admissions background and, and sitting in the, the head of school chair now. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I've deemed myself the chief storyteller. Mm. And, and you better be able not only telling the stories, but telling unique stories. You know, telling the story of, uh, of why it's important uh, to, to learn world languages. Uh, beginning in lower school. Why is it important that we still teach Latin? Or, or, or that for us, especially here at, at the Dome Stewart School, uh, the consideration of bringing American Sign Language into our rural language program. Well, we, we have students who may have expressive language issues. We also look at it as an opportunity uh, to, to be mission-driven with regard to uh, social responsibility and empathy. So, but, but, but why, you know, that, those things are mission driven to us, germane to who we are as a, as a school community and as a culture. Um, but, but, but it's important to, to be able to say why, why, why you're moving that way or doing that. Tom, you've been around, you've seen schools roll out these one-to-one -one device programs uh, to their students and their faculty. And once all these students and faculty have these devices in their hands, they start looking at one another, you know, saying, all right, what do we do now? You know, we're one to one, but what are we really doing with it? How are we really utilizing these? And I think, you know, schools better learn to be able to explain those and sell those pieces and, and, and to really learn to differentiate that way. Sure, as it, certainly as it relates to the culture of that specific school. Absolutely. Let me let me um, stay on the topic a little bit of, of the issue of sales. You know, when one talks about sales, uh, certainly in the corporate world, I uh, I actually was in corporate advertising sales for ten years, so I'm very familiar with how some of those pieces work. And when you talk about sales, the issue of commission and bonuses come up. Tell me a little bit about what how you feel about things like that. You know, I think that it is important to uh, uh, to to be mindful that that we're we're all we're all human, and we're not selling widgets. We're selling experiences, yes, and we're selling those experiences to children and families. So once we begin to put commission and bonuses on the on the type of experiences that we're selling, uh, whether we're doing it consciously or or subconsciously. Uh, for our own personal gain, then we're changing the culture and the climate of our school communities. We're changing potentially the experience uh, that we promised or that we, we've afforded to, to those families, uh, to those children. Uh, it, it's, it's, I think it's human nature at that point to compromise uh, staying on mission uh, as opposed to, to personal gain. Um, so I think uh, there, are, there, there are opportunities uh, to create incentives um, for those sales. And I think we need to be more creative uh, than, than, than just those monies. And, and trust me, uh, very few of us are going to get rich. <laughs> so uh, the, 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 the cash incentives, the, 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 that speak tons in so many ways. 
But but let's be mindful of the fact that we are human. And we're not selling widgets. We're not we're not creating these these these. Uh, we don't have these quotas where we can just uh, get rid of uh, a, a bunch of devices or, or objects, make those monies, get our bonus, and go on to the next year uh, with, without uh, some negative uh, repercussions. So again, we have to be very thoughtful as to why we do the work that we do. Uh, we have to be very mindful of uh, what we're selling. And, and again, we're selling an experience. We're selling a journey. Uh, we're selling a future. You know, we're, 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 we're selling, in a lot of ways, we're selling hope. And, uh, and, and it's hard, I think, to put a, to put, put a, put a, put a price or a cash incentive uh, on those things, especially, especially uh, when we're talking about children. Okay. Uh, thank you for sharing your feelings about that. Let me get to the, uh, the profession of admissions and the fact that none of us went to college for admissions. Um, how do we schools attract the best and the brightest, number one? And two, what do we do to train them both initially and ongoing uh, in the admission office? Interesting. I, I think that um, for so many years, uh, admissions was um, the place where you know you you you, you put that, that 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 was a volunteer position or that's where you know the um, uh, the that's where you put a, a, a spouse or a recent graduate right. Or, right. or a partner something like that and just to just to basically you were, it, it was more of registration yes. and it was more enrollment. Admissions has, has become, uh, again, you're the chief revenue office at this point. So you had better recruit. When you talk about recruiting the best and the brightest, you typically aren't recruiting uh, from a, a college of education. You better recruit someone who, for, I look at myself, I have a business, I have a marketing background. You better recruit someone, um, not necessarily who has an independent, who has an independent school pedigree as a student, but someone who understands uh, the independent school culture. You, you, you better recruit someone who has uh, skills that get not only can present and communicate, uh, but someone who can can do uh, the background work with regard to systems. Uh, as you know, in, in terms of our student management systems, in terms of uh, the, the, the data that we bring in uh, with regard to demographics, with regard to psychographics, uh, you better recruit someone uh, who, who's not really looking for that nine to five, because this is not a nine to five uh, position. And you better recruit someone who, you know, and this isn't to turn anyone off, but who, who, who can handle a little pressure, a little stress. Because again, being the chief, the chief revenue officer uh, in a position, you know, the jobs depend on, on, on your performance. You know, budgets depend on your performance. So it's not it's not it's not a job for for someone with a weak stomach, and that that delves right back to where you were with regard to sales and incentives and commissions. Schools had better independent schools had better start the consideration of that that admissions officer, director, uh, enrollment manager. That that has to be a direct line to the head of school. That has to be uh, a senior team member. And that has to be someone who's compensated not only for the numbers, but for that stress and that, and that steel stomach uh, and that pressure that they have to have. Uh, and, you know, we've seen it and you've seen it, Tom, um, post-2008 when we all went through it as, as admissions professionals, you know, how are we going to do this? Some of us didn't survive. Some of our schools didn't survive. Um, what are we going to see coming out of this pandemic? 
know, the, the, you know we're, we're going to see those who have the stomach for it are, are going to hang in there and they're going to they're going to shoot their shot and they're going to know how to, to market and sell themselves uh, out of out of some of these these doldrums that that some of our schools have seen. Um, but uh, it is it is not a position anymore where, you know, we're looking for we, we, we need a hockey coach. Uh, but the but the person we really want, you know, doesn't teach. So we'll we'll just put them in the admissions office. So they're a full time faculty member. Well, th- those days those days are gone. Those days are gone. No offense to any hockey coaches out there. Uh, <laughs> but, but the I mean, there is there's a skill set uh, that you that you have to have not only to serve as an admissions professional. But definitely as a leader within those offices, you better know uh, a little bit about everything with regard to, to school life in that regard. Well, I think given your pedigree, you understand not only the skills needed, um, the pressures that they're under. And part of the, the vision, certainly of Dartmouth Associates, is to exalt the profession of admissions. Right. And, you know, I've been a chief fundraiser as well. And even then there was, I was literally, um, I was making twice as much money in development as I was in admissions. Right. And what they brought in paled in comparison to what I did. And I think your acknowledgement and certainly the acknowledgement of heads is let's, let's at least have parity at very least with anybody else who's involved in, in bringing in revenue. Absolutely. You know, I think that's uh, and again, that's that hopefully that's a discussion that, uh, that heads will continue to have uh, with their board members as, as well. You know, it's interesting, Tom, in, in, in your, your, your um, experience in development and fundraising, um, coming from the admissions world, uh, pursuing the headship, uh, often uh, folks with my background are asked about our experience in development, our experience (laughs) in fundraising. Um, And it's an easy response and answer for us. You know, we we make an ask every day. (laughs) That's right. This episode is sponsored by the Independent Educational Consultants Association. It is the largest and most respected organization representing independent educational consultants. An IECA member educational consultant is a skilled professional who provides counseling to help students and families choose a school that is a good personal match, one that will foster the student's academic and social growth. IECA members adhere to the strictest ethical standards in the profession, visit hundreds of campuses each year, and are among the most experienced educational consultants in the profession. They focus on finding the best match between student and school. Many schools have gained students from new communities because of their outreach to IECA members. Personally, I was a director of admissions for 20 years, and the IECA consultants were crucial in helping me find the best mission-appropriate students. They are fantastic people to work with. In fact, national and regional media, as well as government agencies, rely on IECA as the authority of the profession. IECA is consistently cited by the media as the association with ethical, student-centered advising. For more information on how to connect with IECA members, go to IECAonline.com. That's IECAonline.com. We, we, we make multiple asks every day. You know, I, um, I left a school um, where we enrolled uh, anywhere from 150 to 200 new students every year. That's two. That's so you're, you're making about 300 asks um, in, in, in any given year. And, and, and I, I just think that it, it goes to show that within those admissions offices, within the skill set um, of those professionals who are doing that work, they're much more rounded 
as, as school folk. They're much more rounded um, uh, with regard to how, how the, the operations, uh, the, especially the business side of the operations of schools, how that goes. So give us our credit, right, Tom? Give us, give us absolutely, the absolutely. Uh, with regard to, to to keeping schools moving and growing, and pay us our money. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, we're we're speaking to our respective choirs here. Exactly. Um, and in fact, it, to further talk a little bit about uh, what Dartmouth Associates is doing to promote the profession. I think we may have chatted. We are developing an upscale magazine, uh, which is going to highlight lifestyles of admission professionals. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's just, it's a way for colleagues to really appreciate each other's skills as not just professionals, but as human beings. It, it, exactly. And again, I, I think it, it, it's, it's a, and I love what, what you all are doing. I think it, it shows the evolution uh, of the position, it shows the evolution of the profession, um, but 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 it also I think uh, really gives uh, those who 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 don't know what we've done or what we do. It gives them some insight, and I think it's a, a hell of a recruiting tool. Uh, to your point, uh, for those who have been outside of this profession, especially outside of the admissions field, uh, to say, hey, you know what? I, I'd be okay to, to recruit uh, in Dubai or to recruit in Abu Dhabi uh, for, for a couple weeks at a time. Uh, although, you know, that work is hard, it's, it's a, it can be uh, such a wonderful lifestyle and, and, and growth point for so many of us. Uh, I think, you know, for me, in terms of uh, better understanding culture and travel and, and, and being well, more well-traveled, uh, admissions uh, and, and enrollment has really given me those opportunities to do that. And I, I love the fact that, you know, what, what, what you all are doing, not necessarily glorifying uh, the field and position, but, but showing the reality of it as well. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to, to get that first copy, my friend. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, we want to make it the cool profession. That yes. you and I both know it is. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that uh, when I was in admissions, admissions is relentless. Uh, when I was raising money, I, I, I felt it was, there were seasonal chunks. Right. Um, right. But in any case, it, it's exciting. And you certainly know it. And I think that's something that as working with your fellow heads, I think anything you can do to pass that message along, uh, as well as some of the trustees, because the more they know, I think the more they'll they'll appreciate it. I, I agree, and I think uh, you know I've I've seen over the last several years more heads uh, becoming more involved in admissions uh, professional associations. I think there's an appreciation, more of an appreciation um, for the for the field now. I think that uh, heads of school. Uh, are, are better understanding uh, where the, the, the annual resources are coming from. And I think you, you just, you, you made a wonderful point with regard to fundraising and the philanthropy, uh, that expectation uh, annually with schools. And, you know, from an admission standpoint, I mean, the, the, the revenue that's brought in pales in comparison or uh, the, the philanthropy pales in comparison with the annual revenue brought in uh, from admissions. So, you know, those are things that I think heads are really beginning to understand and take note of and acknowledge, not only uh, within their own schools, uh, but, but throughout the field and throughout the, the, the independent school world at this time. And I, and I, and I think that's important. Uh, yes, I'm biased. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I am, I will always be an admissions professional. I'll always be an enrollment manager. Um, so uh, to, to, to better understand how that, how important that office is uh, to an institution, uh, I, I think it's important that, that, that more heads uh, begin to understand what those, uh, what those professionals go through. I think that, you know, you have an opportunity with your magazine uh, to really, really make sure 
that uh, heads of schools are, are, are in receipt of the information in which you are distributing. That's great. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by ISCA. Does your board chair know about ISCA, the Independent School Chairpersons Association? The mission of ISCA is to support independent school board chairs in becoming effective governance leaders for their boards. ISCA accomplishes this by offering peer support and networking resources and educational opportunities. Get your board chair connected to ISCA today by visiting ISCA chairs.org. That's I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. I want to I leave this discussion of admissions a little bit, but I, I, my last question to you is we talked about incentives. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about bonuses. What other ways might you incentivize your director of admission? Uh, you know, n- not every school now has the um, uh, the uh, the op- gives uh, gives uh, employees the opportunity at, at higher education. Uh, so so how about you know how about looking at at continuing to incentivize them with uh, with uh, more professional development benefits, probably more time off. You think about a lot of these road warriors, especially those who do who are right. in admissions. Sure. And, Travel is not you know, always uh, as glorified as, as, as we want to make it sound. Uh, so, so some time off there, I think, is, is really, really important. Um, I think that uh, we need to look at, you know, it, it maybe other corporate partnerships. Um, looking at, you know, if you're traveling and if you have a, if you're regional, regionally traveling, you know, maybe there's some partnerships with regard to hotels, uh, with regard to, uh, to to points, with regard to transportation, uh, that we can at least make those things uh, a, a little more palatable uh, for some folks. You know, maybe you start looking at some deferred comp, uh, some student, some student loan, um, um, uh, student loan uh, help. Uh, I think there there are definitely ways to do it that are beneficial um, to, uh, to us all uh, without, compromising, uh, without compromising the end goal. And that is to, uh, to enroll and fill schools with mission-minded uh, families uh, in, in doing what's right uh, for that, that, that school community. Sure, no, you're absolutely right. Everybody needs to know what that admission office is doing. Uh, that's one thing I've done is, uh, I've had master classes with heads about admissions as well as boards just to give them the overview, give them the education. I'm sorry. How about, how about housing? Uh, you know, and, you know, especially for those, for those, those schools that, that are, uh, you know, some, some are, are cash strapped, but not necessarily asset strapped, you know, housing it in, and, and I, and I mean that for, for day schools as well. That's a huge draw. In so many ways, and and if you if you have the right assets, maybe in terms of a donor, maybe in terms of, of, of assets that the school has, you know that's that there's something to be said there uh, about about you know the admissions profession. And I tell you, uh, you talk about uh, the recruitment of an admissions professional. If you can't pay them the monies that some of us feel they deserve, you can give them housing. I tell you this, you're 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 rolling in the in in the in the right way at that point. You know, I think what you've really illustrated is that you are willing to be creative in terms of your thinking. Absolutely. And you mentioned day schools. Many times, if the day school is in an affluent area, uh, for someone to have to pay uh, or buy a house or or pay rent in that area would be very difficult. But to be able to offer them some kind of housing, boy, that would be an incredible draw. That would be a huge draw. And, you know, and, and I think, and, and I tell you, especially in, in, at a day school, you know, you want to make, uh, you want your admissions officer to, to, to be involved with as, as much community and school life as possible. That's right. And if they're close and they have that housing, 
uh, in some ways where they can, they can make those, those athletic events, those fine arts presentations uh, uh, and such, you know, more of those without the, these huge commutes or what have you. I mean, yes. that's, I mean, those are those are opportunities. I think that we really, really need to start considering. It would, again, being more creative in that in that regard, and it, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be the cash incentives. But I think we have to learn to be more creative in, in how we're we're um, uh, how 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 we're paying our our folks who are bringing in all of this money. Well. I hope that many of your uh, colleague heads will be listening to this. <laughs> I hope um, so. Well, <laughs> I want to get back a little bit uh, as as somebody who seems always so positive. Every time you and I have spoken, you're positive, you're upbeat, you've got great enthusiasm. Um, but being ahead of school is a relentless position as well. Right. Uh, how do you balance your personal life? You said your wife was an educator as well. Um, how do you, you know, what's a day like for you that keeps your, keeps your head on straight? What do you do? You know, it, it's interesting. I, uh, I, I think it's important that you schedule your time just as you would schedule a meeting. Um, whether it's your, whether you, you play racquetball, you play tennis, you work out, you go for a walk, you go, you, 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 you go to lunch. Um, you know, just as you wouldn't miss a meeting with a, with, a, with your board chair or miss a meeting with a prospective family or a prospective donor, um, you have to treat yourself the same way. And you, you know, when, when it comes to, to a calendar, um, you know, some, some days you just, you just can't, you, you just can't get, you can't squeeze it in. Um, but if you, if you're proactive in scheduling that time, uh, I think it's important. I think it's important that you model that behavior. You model that behavior of self-care within your building. You know this. You get the email or the text at ten o'clock at night uh, from your from a from a from a division head who's concerned about uh, the visitor who's coming the next day, or you receive that that text on a Saturday afternoon that uh, someone needs to get into the building because they forgot their glasses. Um, you know, but but we have to we have to model self care. We have to model the fact that it's okay to unplug. Um, and I think you know, for me, uh, I have especially with my team, I make it clear. You know, non negotiables. Family comes first. You know, my, my families come first. And if if it's uh, if your child is is graduating or they're in a play or they have an athletic event. We'll back you up. Take care of you and your family. If you if you if 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 you are scheduled to to, to clock out at four p.m. every day, but uh, on Wednesdays, you know your your, your yoga class begins at three thirty. It's okay. It's okay. as long as your responsibilities are being taken care of. It's okay. It's okay. Um, for an administrator, I think, to, to work from home. And we've seen that throughout this pandemic now that we can, yeah. we can do this uh, with all, the, 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 all of the technology that we have. So you know, I, I think it's important that we, we stay focused on the people. If, if we stay focused on the people, all of the other things will fall into place. Um, and but the self-care is absolutely key. And I and I've seen it. I've seen the burnout uh, of, of independent school heads. Uh, you start you start looking at you know, I, I know that my 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 friends Rob Evans and Michael Thompson, they they often they often ask us heads, you know, why in the world do you want to do that job? Um, and I think that the leadership is key, but the leadership is key and the job is key. Uh, as long as you take care of yourself. Uh, I can't lead a school if I'm not physically and emotionally available. So uh, whether it's, you know, whether I'm playing golf once a week, whether I'm, I, I'm spending that time working out with, with my son, or whether uh, when, it's, when it's time for a break, I just unplug uh, and, and get away and say, hey, 
I will not, I'm not checking email for the next week. Uh, but you know, you know, someone's always got the, like, <laughs> like Batman, someone's always got the red phone number. If, <laughs> if, if, if they need me, but we have to be more mindful of that being, being, being less accessible when we, when we know we can, but we have to schedule that like a meeting and not just hope that we can find some time here or there. So what do you like to do with your son? What kind of workouts do you all do? Well, I, I, I supervise the workout because I'm too <laughs> old to work out with that dude. I have a 16-year-old, and uh, he is an aspiring college football player. Wow. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, 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 I love to uh, watch his, his evolution uh, in terms of honing his craft. Um, and at times when I can – I'm an old track coach, so I right. consider myself his speed coach uh, in a lot of ways. So uh, that's, that's typically what I'm doing with him. And I get my joy seeing him uh, improving. And it also keeps me close uh, to the athletic field and, and the, coaching, the coaching realm. And I get to do it with my kid. So uh, that I, I find a lot of joy um, with that. Um, and I, and I'll, I only have a couple of years of that left. So I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, I'm going to ride that one out as long as I can. Yeah, it, it, it's crucial. Uh, we've, yeah. got two, we've got two sons in their late 20s. And I, I say, where did the time go? And I'm just glad that uh, I did spend those times. Because I think with our kids, if we spend that time early, they really become our best friends as adults. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and uh, I, I can't remember the last time you talk about becoming best friends. I can't remember the last time my son referred to me as dad. Uh, you know, his reference to me now is big fella. So I, that's, 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 my, that's my nickname, big fella. So, uh, you know, and, 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 and I love it because it's, it's our thing. Yes. And, and I, I want to make myself available uh, to him uh, so we can always have that thing. And that's very important to me. Uh, no, I, I, I agree. I think if we can be good husbands and fathers, uh, at the end of the day, we will have lived a good life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get, let's get back to, you know, your, your view as not just an educator, but someone who has been involved in many types of activities in your career. What do you, when you take a 10,000 foot view of the world at large, what are some of the things that you feel are our most pressing problems that we can perhaps help in some way? Oh my goodness, Tommy. I mean, obviously it's just the, 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 not just the divide we see in our country, but what we're seeing across the world right now. Um, I, I just feel that we're not communicating the way that we need to. And, you know, as an educator, here I, here I go, jump on the education soapbox. It starts with our kids. We can fix this. We can fix this divide. We can fix all this turmoil, this, this social and political strife. We, can, we start with, with, with our children. Um, you know, kids are not born to hate. That's right. That's right. They're, not born, they're taught to hate. They're taught intolerance. They're taught a lack of empathy. You know, I, 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 I've always known my son, and, you know, as, he, as he's always grown and, and as he's gotten older, folks would ask me, hey, how's, how's your son doing? And I always tell him, hey, he just wants to play. He don't want to do anything else. He just wants to play. And he doesn't care who he's playing with. He just wants to play. That's and a great euphemism for life, just it, get in the game. Just, just let's just play. Let's play together. Let's play. The, we don't have to play cops and robbers. We don't have to play um, uh, protagonists and antagonists. Let's let's play. Let, let's let's play as a team. So if we can if we can create more opportunities of playing together, of learning together. In, in, in having civil discourse, I think we'll be, we'll be in a much better situation. I know we talk a lot about, and we hear a lot in the news about, about the guns, about the politics, and, and all those things. 
What we never talk about is, is listening and communicating. And I think, you know, as educators, we, we talk a lot about critical thinking. Critical thinking starts with listening. Critical thinking begins with listening. Critical thinking begins with analyzing the problem that's in front of you. And I don't think, I think we're so reactive as, 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 a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a world population that we're afraid to take a step back and listen to uh, the, the issues at hand. You know, as, as a leader of a school, take a step back and listen to the students. Take a step back, listen to the faculty, listen to the parents. You know, and, and let them know in the end, none of, none of those constituent groups have decision-making power. But as a good leader, I, I want them to lend their voice so I can make the best decision for the community. Not only uh, the community uh, and the issue at hand, but, but as we move forward. And as a world, if we just took a step back, grabbed a cup of coffee or, or, or a cup of tea and said, hey, let's sit down and talk this out. We, we can agree to disagree, but at least we, we understand why we think the way we do. There's, there's, if, we, if we led with empathy, we'd be in a much better situation. I may have an understanding of what you're gonna say next uh, because you've talked about it a lot. Let's envision that we are creating a billboard on the freeway of life. So my question to you is, what does that billboard need to say? Listen. I, I thought that, <laughs> you knew it. I thought that's you where knew it was going. Listen. Just listen. You know, it, 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 I, I'll tell you this. And if you've ever worked in a, in a school that has a lower school, a school that has pre-K or kindergarten, uh, whether you're a head of school, director of admissions, or you're, you're a math teacher, just take a stroll down to the little ones, go see them, and you know what? Listen to what they have to say. If you, you, if you listen to those little minds, you, you take a step back and you go, you know what? It's really not that hard. You know, so solving our problems is really not that hard. Listen, listen to these kids. I mean, as, as simple as things can be, you know, they say it. And I tell you this, if you don't want to hear the truth, don't talk to a child. Don't talk to the children. They're going to tell you. They're going to tell you if you, you know, I, I, they, they tell me and make it clear. Uh, Mr. Sasho, you don't have any hair. Well, you know what? You're right. I don't. <laughs> I don't, and I, and I appreciate you acknowledging that. But but if we if we if that billboard that billboard is going to say listen and, and, and listen to others, but also listen to yourself. Sometimes if the, some if the ideas that we come up with, if we sat down and look at ourselves in the mirror and had a conversation with ourselves, you know, I, I think we learn a whole lot more, not only about ourselves, but a, a, about a lot of the problems that, that, we, that we sense are problems uh, in, our, in our lives and in our communities. We just need to listen more. Well, I don't think anybody's gonna go wrong with that, uh, with that philosophy. And thank you for sharing that and, and, and just all of your wonderful insights over this last hour. Thank you, Tom. It, it is an absolute pleasure to spend this time with you, and uh, and I and I hope that that I can reach uh, those who, who needed needed a little little boost today. And uh, and I and I just appreciate you uh, creating this vehicle uh, for us, not only in, in the educational realm, but especially uh, those of us in, in admissions and enrollment. Well. Thank you. Before we go, Cecil, is there anything you'd like to say to your colleagues uh, out there? At, anything just you'd like to share in uh, in passing here? Yeah, I, I I'll say this: we, we 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 do, and we can continue to make a difference, and that's uh, make a difference in, in the lives of our own families, make a difference in the lives of our school communities, um, and more so within the larger community. Um, as educators, uh, as leaders, um, if, if we 
if we really begin to step forward, um, we, we can see the change that, 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 that needs to take place in this world. Um, so we can't, we can't continue uh, to play it safe. Uh, if, we're going to, if we're going to be the leaders uh, that we've signed the contracts or taking the vows to be, um, you know, we, we need, to, we need to, to, to start getting our hands a little more dirty. And we need to start uh, taking, some, taking, taking larger stances uh, for our communities and for the future uh, of the families and the children that we currently serve. Again, thank you so much for those kind words and, and everything else that you've shared. I wish you and your family a fabulous spring, a great graduation, and please, everybody uh, out in your neck of the woods, stay safe as well. And let's stay in touch, please, Cecil. Absolutely, Tom. I thank you so much. You have a wonderful, wonderful day, my friend. Thank you so much. Be safe. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a short review on your favorite platform. It takes less than 60 seconds, and it really makes a difference in helping to convince those hard-to-get guests. Also, I really love reading the reviews. Lastly, please explore the full range of our recruiting services, guest opportunities, memberships, newsletters, past shows, and our exciting promotional campaigns for 2021. Through this podcast, Roar Magazine, the first ever lifestyle publication for admission professionals that launches this summer, and Admission Fest Summit, power marketing for the new era. This summit will be held in San Diego on December 5th. Please go to our website for all details at www.dartmouthassociates.com. That's www.dartmouthassociates.com. Thank you again for being part of our wonderful membership, and I wish you an absolutely terrific day. This episode is brought to you by Winner Marketing. They are a global company that actually understands independent schools. I know. As their advisor, I bring 30 years of educational success, both as a head of school and director of admissions. They don't try to squeeze you into a campaign template that doesn't fit your educational needs. Instead, they first listen carefully to your concerns and develop a creative solution just for you. They understand the increasing competition in the marketplace and aggressively pursue a comprehensive campaign to elevate the school brand to your target market. Their precise approach guides potential families from awareness to inquiry and to finally enroll. They use world-class methods to raise credibility and rankings by featuring you in top-tier press campaigns and optimizing your Google rankings with dynamic content. Additionally, they create press releases, funnel and ad campaigns, SMS and email nurturing. Also, they enhance domain authority, create backlink strategies, and engage top-tier retainers to get you featured in platinum publications such as Forbes and Business Insider. They will also create a podcast branding tour to exponentially increase your exposure. They've got the skills to help small nonprofits to multi-million dollar corporations. Contact them now. They can save your school. You can reach them at their website, which is winner, W-Y-N-N-E-R, marketing, Dot com. That's Winner Marketing, W-Y-N-N-E-R Marketing.com. Or reach them via email at info at WinnerMarketing.com. That's I-N-F-O at Winner, W-Y-N-N-E-R Marketing.com. This episode is sponsored by the NinjaGram app. Let's talk about automating your social media with the NinjaGram app over at www 
ninjagram.app. This Instagram software will help you automate and grow your Instagram following fast by using their auto follow, auto unfollow, auto comment, auto like, and auto story views feature, and much more. Get over to www.ninjagram.app today to purchase and download the Ninjagram app at www.ninjagram.app and start growing your Instagram following fast today. Also, I want to give a shout out to my producers over at Hype Music Network and jwattproduction.com. These guys produce all my episodes and I trust no one else to bring the quality performance I demand every time. If you need help with your first podcast, they will take you by the hand and guide you through the whole process. Visit them at hypemusicnetwork.com. That's H-Y-P-E-M-U-S-I-C-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com and at jwattproduction.com. That's J-A-Y-W-A-T-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. You will not be disappointed.